0: He's got a beautiful backswing.
1: Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh.
0: That is amazing. Layup
2: with an iron into the hazard. <laughs> oh my god, you had to deal with the golf course people too. Well,
1: that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good everybody? Welcome into the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast Of Golf, Oklahoma. It is Ryder Cup week, which means we have a very special guest to help preview this 2023 Ryder Cup in Rome. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we are joined during this Ryder Cup preview by a two-time Ryder Cupper, a guy that has spent years on the PGA Tour, on the Champions Tour now. We've had him on the show before. Oklahoma State legend, Scott Verplank. Scott, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, you bet,
0: Sam. Ryder Cup's a great event. Um, Lucky enough to participate in it a couple times, and... Being the, the assistant captain one time, so um, it's
1: the Super Bowl of golf, no doubt. That that You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to have you start the show off by, I, I know you've said that before, that the Ryder Cup is the Super Bowl of golf in your mind. Expand on that a little bit. Why is the Ryder Cup so special to you, and why do you put it above every other event?
0: Well, you know, part of, well, number one, number one, you're playing for the United States, where it actually means something. You know, it's like going to the Olympics or you know, uh something you know, winning the national championship in, in college, you know, your your school is your country. But um yeah, playing for the United States in the in an international competition that is um as storied and it has as much history and, and is as important as that one is, um it's an honor to do that. You know, secondly obviously you're one of the best you know, one of the best twelve Americans you know, in golf and, and, you're, and you're playing with the other 11 of them. Um, so, you know, that, that obviously gives you some confidence that you're in that select company. Um, and then just, you know, it's a great bonding week. That's where guys, you know, really get to become friends. Um, you spend that basically the whole week together. And you really, you know, it's really playing for your teammates and your country, and that's, it just makes it different than anything else you can do in
2: golf. And As definitely well said there, Scott. And your Ryder Cup record speaks for itself playing there in 2002, 2006. So looking at the team that we've had this year, you've obviously had a great connection with a lot of these guys out there. Do you feel like that the 12 Americans that we have there in Rome this week are the best 12 that we've had? For example, if you were the captain, would you feel like you would have made the same six captain six as Zach Johnson did?
0: Well, that's kind of hard, you know. As everything in sports and in, in life has gotten <clears throat> more complicated, and you know more analytics, more stats, more this, more that, um, you know they they have information that none of us have on all that. And I don't really, uh, I wouldn't put all my you know all my thoughts into that. But um, listen, it's a the, the PGA, It's not a PGA tour event. It's the PGA of America event. But the PGA, you know, most of the players, except for Brooks, play the PGA Tour. And it's a, listen, if you get into that level of being on these teams, Ryder Cup, President's Cup, you know, you get great friendships, and that goes a long way. You know, there's a bunch of ways to look at a team. Um, but most teams got a mesh, and I, I think that's part of the deal of who they pick um, is guys that are going to fit into that little group you know, good, bad or indifferent, that's you know, that's how a lot of things work. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh I'm glad Brooks Kepka's on the team. You know, he he uh barely met some points on a play in like three or four tournaments, so he's obviously proven his his spot. But um you know, maybe Bryson, you know, would be I would think in the United States, uh if Bryson was in a situation like that, he'd be a better more popular pick, Um, but I don't know. You know, listen, Justin Thomas, I know you're getting around to that, but Justin Thomas is really good buddies with, you know, Jordan and and Zach and all the guys, and he's got a good record, and I know he's played poorly this year, but uh, they have confidence in him, and we'll
3: see what happens. Okay, Scott, here's a a question for our listeners that I want you to tell them because I don't, think, in a way, I don't think even our listeners understand what it's like to have a guy that has actually played two Ryder Cups, okay? Uh, It's mind-boggling to me that we can get you on to to even talk about it, but I've played in a little bit of golf, not near as much as you have. Tell us how nervous you are on the first tee at a Ryder Cup. Um,
0: Well, obviously... I mean, obviously, you're nervous, but I honestly uh, felt, you know, well, before I played my very first one, Paul Azinger and I were picks in 2002 at the Belfry. And he was, he'd played before and I hadn't ever played. And he's like, oh, man, on the first tee, you know, you you might not even be able to tee your ball up. You'll be shaking so bad. And, you know, he said, just get the ball on the tee and just get up there and take a deep breath and go through your. You know, just go, just swing your swing. You probably won't even see the ball. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I, and quite honestly, on the first tee, I was playing alternate shot with Hal Sutton um, against Baron Clark and Thomas Bjorn. and Hal had had a horrible year. You know, we got delayed by a year because of 9/11. You know, and he'd made the team in 01, which I had as well. Everybody had. Um And he, he played horrible for the leading up to it. And I was like, eh, it's fine. And so I was hitting first on the first tee and I couldn't have been happier. I had the biggest smile on my face. I just stood on the first tee looking around, you know, and there's, there's 15,000 people in grandstands around. And I went, how cool is this? And so I wasn't nervous at all. I mean, I, I, I thought it was, or instead of being nervous, I was just so excited and it was so cool. Um And I hit it right down the middle and, I said, "Dude, just hit it on the green, and I'll make the putt." And he hit it about twenty feet, and I made the putt. And I said, "All right, let's go to the next hole." Um, so, a little, maybe a little different than a lot of guys, but but I I just embrace uh, the team part of it, and and basically having you know my partner, and just basically saying, "Hey, dude, you just play your stuff, and I'll do whatever we need to do to win." And that's. That's basically how it went for the the two Ryder cups and two presidents cups that I got to play in I had a pretty good record because basically if I needed to be the if I needed to be the you know the put my arm around the guy and coax him into playing great or be the guy that says, All right, just don't worry about it, I'll take care of you that's how it went. So that's why I really love the team competition.
1: Scott, Taylor alluded to it earlier a little bit with your great record in the Ryder Cups that you played in. You were 4-1-0 and combined 2002 and 2006. Now, the U.S. team did lose both of those Ryder Cups, but my question to you, considering this Ryder Cup is on foreign soil in Rome... Uh, what things did you do across the pond to be so successful? And I'll add in the fact that you also won a Walker cup in 1985 for the U S and, and you won both of your president's cups. You played on two in 2005 and 2007, what made you so successful in team golf?
0: Um, well, you know, Sam, the, the, so we'll go to the subject that, that most people around Oklahoma would be really familiar with. And that's, football there would be if you're a competitor and you play on a team is there anything better than going into the other guy's house and beating them no yeah nothing 80,000 people and you could hear a pin drop that's the that's the greatest sound in sports. so I went over there like going hey we're going over there I can't wait to get over there you know and and jokingly i always said well we're going to play the communists so let's go <laughs> jokingly cuz i like all all the european guys um but yeah i just i don't know i was just fired up to to play over there um everybody's rooting for the other for the other team and my goal was to uh make it as quiet as possible
2: now, one thing that i find very interesting is that the Europeans have traditionally been better than the Americans in the alternate shot format and and by a decent bit, whenever you look at the numbers. So for one, why do you think that is? And two, what do you think the Americans need to do this year to make sure that they can at least go neutral in that format to where, for example, in the best ball, they can have where they traditionally had a little bit more success can rely on that and not let that alternate shot, bring them down like it has.
0: Well, you know, I think that the Europe team, you know, from our perspective, from the media perspective, is is more dominant, you know, looking on paper, you know, more uh, superstars, you know, that are more well-known over here. And if you play golf on the PGA Tour, you, you're playing for yourself. And you're not playing on a team. And you're playing for the most money in the world, and you're playing for the biggest tournaments in the world. And you spend most of your life uh, worrying about what's best for me not for somebody else um european guys are you know historically in the past have not played for as much money not played as great at tournaments um have a chip on their shoulder uh travel together more than we do because our guys now all fly their own you know fly on their own planes, um and just have more similar games um in just personality and the way they go about it so i mean it's it's a little bit of a mystery, but that was, um, but listen, alternate shot is, is, is uncomfortable if you're not prepared for it mentally, because, you know, you, you hit a shot and then you wait for 10 minutes before you hit another one. And so I always, uh, I always was of the, you know what, when it's your hole to to tee off, just hit it in the fairway, give the guy a chance, you know, um, and if you're, and if, if it's your, if it's the other guy's chance to see off, if he hits it in the rough, no big deal. I've been there before. on. Um, so I, you know, it, it's a great format and it's very interesting. Um, and you know, with the way sports is today, you know, you know, the more dramatic and riled up you get, it seems more exciting. But, but as a, you know, to me, just going out and having a partner and playing a true partner game is enough to get you get your attention and to get to give everything you got to win that match.
3: Okay, Scott, now you're gonna be coach instead of player. We've been talking all of us in this podcast. When you send out you've got a guy like Justin Thomas that has been questionable this year, how much room do you give him if he gets off to a rough start with whoever he's partnered with? Do you keep playing them, or do you sit these guys down? Just like Luke Donald, he's got Luke uh, Aberg on his team. He's got rookies on his team. how How much do you play them if they're not off to a good start, or do you put them on the bench and hope they can play good in the singles? What would you do? Well, that's what you.
0: That's that's the only real decisions that you have to make. If you're the captain or, you know, one of the, you know, as a group, the assistant captains is try to read, you know, how guys are handling things. Um, my guess would be that, that JT, uh, will play in best ball, you know, foursomes or four ball, excuse me, whatever they call it, best ball. And if they get deep and he doesn't play well, he probably won't play again until singles. Now, if they get beat, but he played really good and whoever his partner, you know, made for presumably Jordan beat, if he played good and Jordan didn't, then, then he, they may put him out again. But uh, I'm sure JT has got – he's a pretty fiery guy. Um, I'm sure he's got plenty of motivation and positive, you know, a lot of positive motivation around him to go out and prove everybody wrong. So, um you know, I was the captain six twice, so it was, I kind of had to prove everybody wrong as well. So it, it served as good motivation for me. Um, wouldn't be shocked if he played pretty good, but you just have to kind of read. Listen, guys, this is kind of what I always look at. the way it's been since I've paid attention to it. You got 12 guys on each team. Four guys are going to play great on e- on either team. Now, there's varying degrees of great. You know, great for Scotty Scheffler is better than great for, uh, I don't know, the last guy on their team, you know, or on our team, whatever, whoever. Um, but four guys are going to play great. Four guys, four guys are going to play pretty damn good. And four guys are going to be totally out of their element. But, there, but that's not an indictment on anybody. It's just the way the thing goes. I mean, the last one I was involved with was 2012. Tiger Woods was 0-3-1. He was playing terrible. Um, he was uncomfortable. He got, he can't or doesn't play great with the partner um, historically. You know what? So he played terrible. He was one of the he was one of the uh, four guys that was a load, and that was the that was actually the first time that he didn't play all five matches. But I mean, he was playing. He wasn't playing any good, and he's Tiger Woods, and you know that's difficult. that – um, that that's what you have to put do as a you know as a captain is make those decisions um but most listen, guys are all they're all grown up they're all adults they all know what's going on um they all want to win and if if me not playing helps the team win, then if you don't accept that, then maybe you you know you're probably the wrong guy to be on the team.
1: Scott, you, you mentioned Justin Thomas probably going to play once with Jordan Spieth. I'm sure we'll see Can'tley and Shoffley paired together. Of the Morikawa, Harmon, Fowler, Homa, Scheffler, Kepka, Clark, and Burns, who do you think might be paired together with that group?
0: Oh, uh, Scotty, Scheffler, and Sam Burns will definitely play. Um, I would think that, that Brooks will – probably play with either my guess would be morikawa or or like ricky i mean brooks is i mean brooks is really good and brooks is a guy that you know you want in the foxhole with you if he's on your side and he's all in he's going to do whatever he's got to do you know to to get it done so um i don't know you know they have they have kind of you know, they've they all talked, and it's probably better now. The players have a little more uh, – from a player's standpoint, it's better. The players have a little more say, and, yeah, I really want to play with this guy. You know, or I prefer not to play with this guy. Um, and they'll they'll get whatever makes everybody comfortable. And nine times out of ten, um, if you hit the equation where everybody's comfortable, you're going to do okay.
2: Yeah, you played both your, uh, both your Ryder Cups on foreign soil, one at the Belfry, the other at the K-Club. What are some things you think we'll see similar in Rome when it comes to course setup that you saw at those two courses, for example, longer rough, slower greens, and things like that? What are what are some ways that the Europeans try to trick the uh, course up to throw the Americans off kilter?
0: Well, you know, in the last, say, decade, you know, the Americans have been, you know, more of the bomber type, you know, squad. So when it's been played over there, they've obviously, like I said, Tighter fairways, more rough, you know, take driver out of their hands. Uh, slower greens is actually is a big deal. I mean, because, you know, we're used to faster greens. Um, and slower, It's easier to go from slow greens to fast greens than it is to go from fast greens to slow greens um, as far as making putts. So um, th- they'll do, you know what, that's part of the home field advantage, you know, and they'll do what they – what they need to do but all the guys are so good now you know kind of you mentioned like the abert kid who's just you know totally fresh face in golf but by all accounts he's really really good i would say he's either going to be a superstar or he's going to be overwhelmed i would think he might be a superstar in this deal he might end up playing the whole the whole deal because if he gets going the right way he's got no he's never you know he's got no scar tissue he's the most excited guy there i mean dude he was at texas tech a year ago now he's playing you know now he's playing in the super bowl so
1: <laughs> hadn't even you know, played in a uh, major yet scott
0: yeah and yeah. he's a starter yeah you know he's the yeah. starting quarterback <laughs> So anyway, um, I think it'll be fascinating. You know, I honestly I hope it's really really close and comes down to the end, like all you know, like a they would like it to, and all great sporting events do. Um, I think it's a pretty even match. You know, you go to the other side. I mean, you got Rom and well, I put Victor first, but you got Victor Rom and Rory, and I wouldn't want to play Victor or Rom. I figure if I was the opposing captain I'd figure out a way to schedule around those guys if that's possible. So I think it's gonna be uh I think it's gonna be pretty close and it should be really exciting. The only bad thing is it's in the middle of the night.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. I I think what you said is really spot on. If if their rookies play good, I think we're in real trouble. Uh I I, I just I'm scared to death of them. If they come out of the box and they're comfortable and they're not overwhelmed, as you call it. But let me ask you a cool question from our listener standpoint. What was the best shot you can remember hitting in a Ryder Cup and what was the worst shot you can ever remember hitting in a Ryder Cup?
0: Well, the best shot's easy because I'm the only American ever to make a hole-in-one in in the Ryder Cup. So
3: that's, that's pretty easy.
0: Um, yeah. the worst shot that I ever hit in the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, Woody, I've
3: tried my best to forget that. There you go. That's um, what my, that's what I was
0: hoping was going to happen. You know, with it. I probably, <laughs>
3: missed.
0: I think I probably missed a fairway. Um, okay,
3: yeah, yeah,
0: playing yeah. with Zach, that's playing with Zach Johnson in Ireland. I think I missed a fairway or two
3: and but we still
0: won we still won our match but i wasn't i didn't play great that day but uh man i i i had my arm around his shoulder pumping him up and we won so um, (laughs) there you go yeah sometimes just sometimes you got to stand back and get out of the way and say go ahead and take us to the promised land pal (laughs)
1: um well no doubt about that he
0: entered
3: it Hey, guys, he answered exactly the way I thought. Just like a great right golfer there. would. I, I, it was exactly, and that's what I want our listeners to understand. I really, you know, Jack Nicklaus never missed a putt in a major. In,
1: <laughs> in his, his mind. Lead. Yeah.
3: In yeah. his mind. He it never,
1: was never his you know, fault.
3: It was never his fault. And, and if for a world-class player like Scott Berblank, if he would have told me he could think of this bad shot, it would have had to be something so bad and so ugly that there is no way that it, he couldn't come up with a Great answer, Scott. Exactly what I expected.
1: You know, thanks,
0: Woody. I mean, that's kind of what you
1: got to do. Scott, I'm curious. I know you're close with Victor Hovland. We had him on the podcast last week. Have you talked to him? And number one, kind of a two-part question here, are you going to be rooting for him, even though he's a European in this Ryder Cup? And have you given him any advice? And what have your thoughts been on him basically going from great to elite in the recent months?
0: Well, yes, I have. I haven't talked to him here in the last couple weeks, but... uh, Within the last month, yeah, you know what, I hope he goes five and zero. I mean, he's such a great young guy. I mean, you know, you want to call him kid, but he's such a great young player, and he's such a nice guy. And you know what? If if he goes five and zero, and and we win, or if it's a tie and we retain the cup, or we win by a point or whatever, that'd be great. But um, listen, Victor is you know he's he's part of the Oklahoma State golf family. So he's kind of family and I don't know what do you put first, your family or your country? It depends on what your job is. Um but I, I think he's a superstar and he's he's so good. And I've played with him out here a couple times in the last month and it's just I'm I'm in awe of how solid he hits the ball. So he'll have a great attitude. He'll be he'll end up being a leader for you know, European Ryder Cup for the next 15 or 20 years. Um, and you know what? We should all be happy about that because he's such a great kid, person, and golfer that he he is a, a, a true role model. So I hope he does great, to be honest with you. Um, I still hope we win, but I hope Victor does great. So
2: do we. Yeah, that, that, that's well said, Scott, for sure. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, I no, there's a, I think there's a decent chance that we at least maybe not be in this exact number, but pretty close. Let's say that after Saturday's play, that we're tied. The USA and Europe is tied. What is your philosophy when it comes to singles matches? Would you like to send your big dogs out first? Would you like to send them towards the anchor a little bit? Would you try to match them up with the other best from Europe? Just kind of elaborate on on that philosophy. Well, it's it's pretty it's hard to match up because you, you know, you have to
0: just turn in your whole roster. Well, at least that's the way it used to be. I think that's how it still is. You just turn in your whole order, but if it's if it's tight um, like that, the 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 best thing you can do is get your best players out on the golf course first and get in the lead. You know, it's it's harder to once, and especially over there. You know, you're over there. If it's say if it's you know eight to eight going to Sunday, and they're up in the first four matches. Um, you know, before your last four have even teed off, man, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be like playing at a, you know, European soccer game. It's going to be hard to to hear anything. It's going to be so loud. So, yes, I would, I would, uh, if it's, if it's tight, I'd put my best guys out first and say, guys, this is what you're here for. Uh, your job is to go out and kick their butt early and get it in, like I said a few minutes ago. Keep the noise down, you know, because at the Belfry in '02, 2 Curtis Strange was the captain, and, you know, he kind of selectively, you know, put Tiger in here and Phil in here and blah, 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 blah. Well, Sam Torrance was their captain, and it was 8-8 eight to eight going to the last day, and he put their best four players out first, and all four of them won, and it was just like, man, he turned, you know, it, it went from a molehill into a mountain. So – uh, I kind of agree with that strategy now. Um, if you get your best guys out there and they win, then you you got your best chance. All the guy listen, all the guys there, the whoever's twelfth in the singles is a damn good player. I mean he, or he wouldn't be there. So it's not gonna be too big of a situation. Now he may not be comfortable and not have had a great week, but it's not gonna be too big of a situation for the twelfth player on either team to win the Ryder Cup in the last match. So that's kinda of how you have
3: to go into it. Hey Scott, one last question for me. Uh when I look at Brian Harmon and I look at you kinda I kinda think of you two kind of alike in a lot of ways. well of course you're not left handed, but same caddy both bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, I would Same Caddy. Yeah. Same caddy. That's where I'm going with this. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to play either one of you because of your attitudes and how scrappy and how much just a bulldog you are. Scott, I was going to ask, and I'm pretty sure he caddied for you in both all those events that you were in. How important is the caddy in this mix, too? Because I I kind of think they're pretty daggum important as far as the crowd goes and everything else, but never played in one. You can answer that Yeah, for me. Yeah.
0: Um, listen, Mary... Uh, they're going to be a formidable uh, team in Scott because nothing bothers Scott each way. And, and to be honest with you, Brian Harmon has moved to a different level of not letting anything bother him. I mean, playing with the big lead at the British, at the British open and starting off both days on the weekend, not very good and sucking it up and finishing strong, both Saturday and Sunday to win the tournament coming kind of in a blowout. That's, that's, so so well for the Ryder cup. I, I would not, I would think if I was on the team, I'd say, Hey, let me in, let me and lefty play. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be impossible to beat. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, that, that was kind of like president's cup stuff. Justin Leonard and I played together uh, every year and, or every match and, We were, we had a ball together and we just both knew that we just both knew we were going to win. You know, so yes, I think Brian Harmon uh, is going to be really, really, really good. And, you know, you guys, Sam, I know you're kind of a, I know you're a golf geek, Sam. You don't know much about anything else. That's right.
1: (laughs) Just ask Pat Jones. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) So even if you lose your match, you want, your guy, if, if you lose one day, if you lose your match, you want your guy to take the other guy to the 18th hole, make him earn it, make him sweat it, because it's, there's five matches. You know, you may lose the match, but if you can make the other guy go beyond what he was ready for or prepared for, then he might be, you know, he might be too worn out by the time you play him tomorrow. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. If you're going to lose you better, you need to lose on the last hole and you need to get down. You need to make, make sure they spend all their
1: energy beating your butt. So that's why I looked at it. That's great stuff, Scott. We really appreciate you taking the time today. The last thing I have for you, and I think a lot of our listeners would be curious about this as well. What goes on in those team rooms? Could you take us inside the team room at a Ryder cup and maybe tell us a story before you get out of here?
0: Oh, man. The, you know what? To be honest with you, it's all very laid back. Uh, like I said, that's kind of where friendships are really formed to get the strongest. Lots of ping pong, you know, lots of uh, storytelling, jokes, and watching, you know, watching sporting
1: events. But Who was the best it, at it, ping pong? Hold on. Who was the best at ping well, pong? Well, I don't know now. Um, no, back then. Was know, it Tiger?
0: Oh, that's uh, he was pretty damn good, but he wasn't the best. Phil was really good. Um, Matt Kucher is a is almost a world class tennis player, so he was pretty much unbeatable in ping pong. I mean, which is really you know interesting. I mean, he plays tennis more and he plays golf, and he's really pretty damn good. So right. uh, th- the ping pong games were uh, intense. I mean, literally intense. Spent more more sweat sitting down there playing ping pong, (laughs) everything, you know, it was like, all right, guys, you guys need to rest up. No, 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 no. One more game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's just fun. It's just like a fraternity and you fraternity and you got uh, all your wives there with you too. So it's a, it's a really, it's a great time. And like I said, it's the, it's the greatest event in golf. I think, you know, winning the masters would be the best individual thing probably just because of the history and the significance and then playing in the Ryder Cup those are probably the and hopefully winning in being on a winning team in a Ryder Cup but those are the things that are the biggest deals that I've ever that I've had anything to do with in golf so um, other people may not see it that way but you know playing in the Ryder Cup is is, uh, is a chance of a lifetime and all those guys they all understand that so they'll all they'll all do
1: everything they can to win that is two-time rider cupper scott Verplank. scott we really appreciate it thank you again last last thing here i gotta tie you down to a pick give me a final score for the rider cup in 23 oh
0: my gosh i'm gonna say it's a uh 14 14 tie how about and that? They retain how boring the cup yeah. <laughs> they retain the cup okay. but what, hey what if, if some if someone makes a 40 footer on the last hole to tie their match to tie the whole thing that's still pretty uh that's still pretty exciting
1: there you go I'm,
0: I'm, i i think it's going to be really close um i'm more i'm just as intrigued to see how good victor and Saber do um and then uh, and then you know see how jt plays uh, other than that, I you know it'll it'll be fascinating. It always is.
1: Scott Verplank, like I said, two time Rider Cupper. We really appreciate it, Scott. Have a good one.
0: Thanks, Sam. All right, see you guys. See ya.
1: And we are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Condensed show today because we have spent the last two weeks breaking down each team in depth. If you want those previews, go to last week's show and the week before show where we did the European Ryder Cup team first and the U.S. Ryder Cup team second, subscribe to the podcast, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. Not only are we on Apple and Spotify like everybody else, we're also on GolfOklahoma.org and TheSportsAnimal.com. Fellas, condensed second segment here. We're going to give our picks, and we're going to give our reasons why. T-Dub, who wins the 2023 Ryder Cup in Rome at Marco Simoni? It that was pretty
2: crazy. We've been talking about this event for this long, and it's finally here. What a glorious time it truly is. It only comes around every, every other year, which is pretty crazy. And now it's finally here. Going to love every minute of it. Probably going to be waking up fairly early, but we'll be able to adjust to that for sure. One thing I thought was interesting was I was able to deep dive into a little bit of analytics and figure some things out. So I'll go ahead and say... What I discovered, one thing that's interesting is that traditionally the Americans hit it further than the Europeans, and the Europeans are a little bit more straight. It's actually the opposite this year. The uh, Europeans are, on for distance-wise, on their rank. They average about 81, and the United States are about 90, where for accuracy the Americans are about 155, and the Europeans are about 170. So that, that was fairly interesting for me to find out. Another thing that's interesting is that the Americans have a substantially better short game than the Europeans do on average. The average rank for the Americans is 41. There's only two guys that they have on their team that rank outside of the top 100 in in short game. And the Europeans have five guys that rank outside of there. Their average rank is 107 compared to 41. So that, I thought that was very interesting, very large distinction. As you would think, the, the Americans are way worse in putting. But one thing also that was interesting, the third thing I found, is that the Europeans are substantially better from over 200 yards. So look for the par threes to play extremely long and look for some of the par fours to be set up to where you'll have long shots in for them to take advantage of that. But the reason, and I hate to say it, that I'm going to go with the Europeans, is just the home course advantage is just too much of a big deal anymore. You look at the last 12 Ryder Cups, guys, and the only time that the away team won in the last 12 times was 2004 when the United States had the worst captaincy that they've ever had in Hal Sutton. And then 2012, where they had the biggest collapse in Ryder Cup history. So you literally need something substantial to happen for the away team to win. I don't think that Luke Donald's going to have one of the pres- presidency cups or one of the worst Ryder Cups of all time as a captain. I don't think that is going to happen. Maybe the Europeans have a collapse like they did the Americans did in 2012, but I still don't see that happening. I'm predicting about 15 and a half to 12 and a half Woody Europeans. I hate to say it, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah,
3: you could have blown me over with a feather a year ago if I would have been going along with you guys because I know where Sam's going. I think I do. Here's what I said to Scott when we were interviewing him that that I'm the most worried about is those rookies on the European team. I don't think they're going to be nervous. I don't think they're going to be scared, especially on their home turf. I also think this golf course, is going to be really tough physically. I, it, it sounds like you got to be part mountain
1: goat to play this golf course, okay? Which is Woody, let me stop on as far as the Woody, let me Go stop ahead. you there real quick. We did hear a little bit and piece about this golf course during these practice rounds. This Marco Simoni is not going to play exactly like Paris. They gave him a little bit more room off the tee. You have to hit it 15 yards off the fairway to get to the extremely long native grass. The regular rough right. is not quite as penalizing and the reason why is because there's a bunch of dog legs on this course and like T dub was alluding to, Rory and Rom, the Europeans have big time longer hitters that need to be able to cut those corners so they couldn't make the rough at quite as close as they have in the past.
3: Well and then again, see that even bodes bro- more towards course setup. For these guys. But I still think it's a physical test. From everything I'm reading, this is going to be a really a torture test to walk. So, a guy playing five matches is going to be pretty tough, Sam, is what I believe. Having said all this, I hate to agree with what we're going with, guys, but I think it's going to be a 15-13 European win.
1: Woody, I agree with you. I had it written down right here, 15 15- 13 Europe, and the reason why, fellas, (laughs) is because I just trust the guys at the top on the European squad more. You're telling me that the Europeans have Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and Victor Hovland, and you're telling me they're underdogs. At home, after getting their ass kicked in, in 2021, they have motivation, and there's three out of the top four golfers in the world, and by the way, the one... Out of the top four that is on the American squad, he has been struggling mightily with the putter, which doesn't bode well in a match play or Ryder Cup scenario. Uh, Talking about Scotty Scheffler, obviously but it comes down to trust. I trust those top three guys for Europe. I trust Tyrrell Hatton's putter. I trust Matthew Fitzpatrick's putter. I trust Tommy Fleetwood after how he's played this year. Justin Rose has putted great this year as well. We'll see what the guys do. Love the Gaberg, Sepp Straka, and Nikolai Hoygaard. We'll see what they contribute to the team, um, but When I look at the American side, I don't see that trust because the guys that have been playing the best are also rookies. We talk about Wyndham Clark. We trust him, yes, but he's a rookie. Brian Harmon won a major this year. He's played really consistent golf. He's a rookie. Max Homa, same thing. He's a rookie. Uh, And then guys like Scotty Scheffler. He's a veteran technically on this team, but he's still – Never played a Ryder Cup in Europe, and I think that when the fans are rooting against you, the, it makes the putting that much harder. I look for Xander Schauffele to be the MVP of the American squad, but I agree with Woody. The Europeans went in a close one, 15-13. T-Dub, any thoughts on all of our picks? I think that we're
2: all pretty close. I think we have 15-13, 15-13, and 15-12, and have so Based on that, there's no chance in hell that the European wins, which means it's good for the Americans. I am rooting <laughs> for that substantially. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I will say, just because we all did pick Europe, but one thing that is to note the average analytical ranking of the Americans is about 17. The average ranking for the Europeans is about 33. So there is a distinction, if you look at that, there's maybe not necessarily talent wise, especially at the top, because the top of the European lineup, as you're alluding to earlier, is just stacked. There's not very few golfers you would not want to play than those guys but outside of the top six because they got six guys in the top 15 the next highest i believe is their 20 is 26 so there's a little bit of drop there where the americans have seven guys inside of the top 15 and then they have another three guys that are inside the top 25 and the, the guys that are bottoming out the american lineup of ranked 43rd and the justin thomas 44th is Bruce Kepka, both are major champions so they have seven majors between the two of them. So you look at that, you got to say the Americans, but like we alluded to earlier, a home course advantage is just in the crowd and all everything that goes into it is just so important. And the Europeans, a little different than how it was back in the 60s and 70s, really before they added uh, continental Europe. It used to be Great Britain and Ireland where the Americans would just stomp them. But now they've gotten such a big talent advantage, and you'll be able to mask some of the – uh, lower guys. You might not have to play Nikolai Horgaard, but once or twice. You could play Seth Straka once or twice. Bobby Mack is by far their worst player analytically. So you might only see him a handful of times as well. So they can mask some of those guys. Have they had to play more? If every guy played once, I would maybe lean more towards the Americans, but the top of the Europeans are so heavy. That's just another reason there's not enough talent description for the Americans to pull over the home course advantage
1: in my opinion. And guys, let me say this real quick. Looking on data golf analytically, the Americans have a 49.8% chance to win. The Europeans have a 42% chance to win about an 8% chance of there being a tie, which would mean the U S would retain the Ryder cup. Um, Fellas, I think that this course is going to set up for fireworks. I think that you could see a bunch of birdies on this course, which I also think favors the Europeans, at least those top three guys uh, that are elite ball strikers in the world. I think it could also favor a guy like Scotty Scheffler. That's why I think that, you know, that Sam Burns Scotty Scheffler pairing might look perfect on paper. We'll see if it ends up paying off. Um, analytically, individually, who does Datagolf Golf? Trust the most that would be Scottie Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, and Xander Shoffley. So out of the top five, the Americans have three that Data Golf thinks are going to play the best this week. Woody, uh, any thoughts on those analytics? And also, the the U.S. is favored in Vegas. Last time I looked, I think they were minus one forty-five. Like we said, we are all taking the underdogs, but they're not underdogs by much.
3: Well, it's always hard to bet against Vegas because they do that for a living. Um, I just worry a little bit, just all the talk we've had. I, I just still think that if the Americans don't get off to a good start, they got to keep this thing tight all the way to the singles. What worries me is if we get behind, it could get be a blowout. I don't think the Americans can blow out the Europeans, but I still think the Europeans could blow us out, believe it or not. So key is, Sam, let's keep it as close as we can to those singles, and then we might still have a chance Americans could still maybe win. But I think there's a reason all three of us pick the Europeans.
1: No doubt about it. One more thing of housekeeping before we get out of here. We talked a lot about how JT might be a controversial pick and might blow up in Zach Johnson's face. Well, Bryson DeChambeau last week, we talked about Live Chicago happening. Bryson DeChambeau ended up winning Live Chicago. Um, And then also, if you're wondering about how Taylor Gooch did In the points race against Cam Smith, Taylor Gooch finished tied for fifth in this golf tournament, and uh, Cam Smith finished in the 40s in this golf tournament, played horrible golf. Taylor Gooch was 10 under par, and Cam Smith was 2 over par um, for the golf tournament. So right now, that season-long points race on live, you have Cam Smith at 170, Taylor Gooch at 162. But T-Dub, the reason why I even bring this up in this Ryder Cup preview is you are leaving a guy at home embracred. Dyson DeChambeau, who's playing great golf right now and has been for the last two months. Um, what things does Justin Thomas need to do this week to consider it a success for Zach Johnson picking him to be on this Ryder Cup team?
2: The big part of it's going to be how much he plays. If for example, I think this is how it's going to play out. And I think Scott Verplank alluded to this as well. He goes out in the best ball format and plays like shit and doesn't do very good then he might not play the rest of the way. But let's say he does go out and play bad, then they keep throwing him out there. So that's it, going to be something that's very interesting to see. But I think he's going to have to have at least a b- above 500 record for this to be a successful endeavor, I believe. Because he has a 6-2-1 record. Yes, 6-2-1 in the Ryder Cup. So one of the best percentages of all time in that aspect. So he's going to have to have above 500 because, you're leaving not just the guys that you mentioned, Bryson and TG, who definitely are had a lot better year than he had. But many, many other guys had better years than JT did as well, as we've alluded to over these last four months that we've been previewing this tournament. So There is a lot of golf to be played. Maybe JT is our version of Ian Poulter, where it doesn't matter what time of year, where it is, he's going to come out and play good in the Ryder Cup. I sure hope that's the case. Him and Spieth are a very formidable team. Hopefully they can go out and get a point. But if they go out in the first match and lose 6-5 and five or something like that, I don't think we should see JT again until singles, but I guarantee we'll see him at least one other time. Then if he goes out and loses that again too, and is 0-2 before singles, he's going to have to have a singles win over Rory or Rom or someone elite on the European side, or maybe be the last guy out and get the clinching point for it to be successful. Because if he plays like he has over those, these last, really since the Masters, it's not going to be a good thing for the Americans. It's not going to be a good thing for Zach Johnson either.
1: I agree with you there. Yeah, I think that I think, if Justin I, Thomas I think, loses you know, one match, I think if Justin Thomas loses one match, Woody, I think that it was a it was a massive mistake. Considering you're leaving a guy like Bryson, who's being a world beater right now, at least on live.
3: Well, I think you you kind of there one one match might be a little bit harsh, but um, you know what, guys, it's we've been talking about it for two months or two and a half months, three months, four months, whatever it is. You know what that guy always say when they 're out in vegas let's get ready to rumble well it's time it is time we we've talked ourselves to death on this. We need to get in the fight and let's see what Americans got.
1: No doubt about it. By the way, Brooks Kepka did finish tied for twenty fourth in live Chicago, so he put in a decent showing at five under par. Brooks Kepka looks ready to go with his mullet and Sam burns' mullet. A little United States pride leading into the Ryder Cup in Rome. Woody. Thank you. T-Dub, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast. We will be back on Sunday afternoon or evening. Either way, after the Ryder Cup on Sunday, we will be back with a recap podcast that you are not going to want to miss here on the 73rd Hole Podcast. It's absolutely free on Apple. Hit that follow button on Apple or Spotify, and we are right there on the SportsAnimal.com and golfoklahoma.org. It will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. Like I said, thanks, guys. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast.